Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 16, this is what the word of God has to say. But he said to him, a certain man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to, to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to try them out. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the crippled and the blind and lame. And the, and the slave said, Master, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. So a few years ago, I actually preached this same passage here. Uh, but in that sermon, I gave most of my attention as I, was, as I was preaching about the invitation, those sort of things, about the command for us to go out. And that is certainly part of this parable. But this morning, I want to give our attention not to the, so much to the command to go out, but the reality of the invitation and the response of those who were invited. So we return to this parable by, by giving attention to those who were invited and how they responded. There was a, obviously a, a, the first group, the, the ones that you might say were expected to be invited. And then there's the second group, those who would not have expected to be there, the poor, the lame, the blind. This parable follows two other parables, both about banquets and dinners and parties. In verses 7 through 11, Jesus uses the context of a wedding feast. And, and in that context, he teaches that you should not assume honor for yourselves. And that's where he says when you go to a feast, you, you don't go up to the front, the head table, and sit down like you should be there. No, you sit in the back and let the host be the one that elevates you and, and, and honors you with that place of honor. And then he uses a, a second, tells a second parable about a great banquet to teach about grace. And he says when you, when you have a, a party, when you have an event, don't invite the folks that, that uh, can pay you back. Don't invite the folks that, that uh, have um, significance of influence and wealth. No, invite those who can't pay you back as a blessing of grace and honor to them. In response to those two parables... Somebody in the room, Luke doesn't tell us who, but I think rather enthusiastically declared, blessed is everyone who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And so this person was rejoicing. We're invited. We're in. Now, it probably, in fact, I think it's likely that what this person was thinking is that it was good that he and everybody else that he knew was on the end 
was in the in crowd, was, was a part of the group of people who were invited and welcomed into the banquet of God, into the presence of God. It's important to understand the context. Jesus was in the home of one of the leaders of the Pharisees. In verse 1 of this chapter, it says, It happened that when he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, that they were watching him closely. So he's surrounded by religious people, people who had spent their lives trying to obey the commands of God and were pretty confident in their righteousness before God. These people in the room cared, cared a lot about righteousness and about keeping the law and about keeping themselves obedient to the law. I, I think it's safe to say that most people in the room hearing these parables would have had, uh, assumed of themselves that they were right with God. And so when this, when this unidentified person uh, burst out with uh, blessed, uh, are those who are welcome at the, at the banquet table of the Lord, you would th- I think the expect, expectation would be that Jesus would have affirmed that statement. But instead of affirming that statement, Jesus tells this parable. And I think we can understand that the parable is a bit unexpected to the hearers around that table. Friends, the invitation to come to salvation is present. I hope you were here last week as we talked about the present opportunity of grace. But I want us to see today As Jesus builds on that understanding of the opportunity of grace, that invitation extended is not enough. Just because you're invited doesn't mean that you make it to the banquet. Invitation alone is not enough. The invited must come to the event. You have to respond and come to the event. And, And I want us to see today that to be saved, you must do more than acknowledge that, in fact, Jesus does save. To be saved today, you must very simply come to Jesus. Now, to divide our time this morning, here's how we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take the parable. Number one, we're going to talk about the open invitation. There'll be familiar themes from last week, but I think it's important to say again today. And then I want us to, to press into this, and I think this is important for us, that the gift of invitation and, and, and the gift of salvation and the invitation to come to Jesus is, is not an obligation, it's an honor. And understanding the difference between the two. And then lastly, I want us to make clear that there is no other way. There is no other way to be saved but through Jesus. Let's begin with an open invitation. When Jesus tells this parable, things were going along, I think to the hearers in the room, quite as, they, as, as expected. So if you look at what he says in the, in the very beginning of the parable, he says a certain man was giving a, a big dinner and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who were invited, come for everything is ready now. Now, if you stopped right there, everything seems normal. But I, I think there's, a, there's an important thing in just that brief introduction that we need to understand. And that is that when we think about salvation, when we think about the, the opportunity to come to Jesus, we need to be clear that the, the invitation is open and that God has prepared and provided for us salvation in Jesus. Verse 16 and 17 sets the context for the parable. The man decided to give a dinner. The host, it is his decision. 
The guests are invited, preparations are made, and at the time when all was prepared and ready, the word was sent to come and enjoy the dinner. Now the point is that all is prepared and provided for. The guests are not required to provide for the food or to pay for the event. The guests are not required to prepare the home or to make ready the setting. The guests are only required to respond to the invitation and come. All the work and expense has been taken care of by the one hosting the event. All the guests have to do to come to the event. There are some of you who God has just gifted with hospitality. You, 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 you just seem to, to do it effortlessly. And when you're invited to someone like that's home, it's always a treat to be in their home because they seem to just know how to take care of things and provide for things. Now, it's not uncommon when you get invited to someone's home, maybe for a dinner, that you might ask that person, well, what can we bring? And it's appropriate. It's a, a, a right sometimes. Your host will say, well, won't you bring a salad or won't you bring a dessert or won't you bring bread or something like that. But, but every now and then, the host will say, all I want you to do is just bring yourself. You just show up. What they're saying is, I've provided everything. I've prepared everything. All you've got to do is honor me by responding to my invitation and come and enjoy what I'm providing for you. This last instruction, this idea of just come and enjoy is the sense, I think, of this parable. All is provided. All is uh, prepared. All that is required of you is to come. And friends, listen to me. This is true of the gospel. All is prepared through the work of Jesus on the cross. All is provided uh, for the work of salvation is enough and provided for through Jesus. And the empowerment to even live for Jesus is done through the Holy Spirit in you. All that is required of you is to come to Jesus and to respond to the invitation. You see, friends, the Bible declares that God desires that you be saved. I think this can also be said that this parable points to this desire of God for salvation. So in the parable, Jesus points to the desire of the man hosting the dinner. Listen to what it says. In verse 17, it says, he desires for the invited guests to come. He wants those invited to come to his house, enjoy his meal, and be in his presence. In verse 21, he desires that the poor and disabled come. He, he wants them to come and be in his house. And in verse 23, he desires that his house be full. He wants it to be slapped full, every seat taken and everything that is provided enjoyed. The point of the dinner is to enjoy the fellowship of the invited guest with the host. And the anger of the host in this parable at the rejection of his invitation does not diminish the reality of his desire for the invited guest to be present. He's not angry at those for who they are. He's angry because they did not respond to the invitation. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that it is God's desire that you be saved. Listen to what he says. It is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. I mean, that's a big statement, friends. God desires you and everybody else to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. 
It is the desire of God that Israel, his chosen people, come to Jesus and be saved. I think that's primarily the idea of the original guest. Israel, God's chosen people, the Jews, the people sitting around the table eating dinner with Jesus. He desires that those men come to salvation and know the, the light of truth. But it is also the desire of God for all to come to Jesus and be saved. The Gentile, the poor, the crippled, the blind. And the idea here, friends, is that the invitation is open. Come to Jesus. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are, come to Jesus. The invitation has been extended. Now, I want you to see something very important, and that is that an invitation is an honor and not an obligation. This invitation is an honor, not an obligation. Now, listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully, because I think this is going to press into where a lot of church folks live, and that is that salvation is not an obligation to perform. Salvation is not an obligation to perform. In the context of the parable, there are two groups of people invited. Now, the first group are invited are those who are understood as those who would have assumed that they should have been invited. And then the second group are, are those invited who would not have expected such a, an amazing invitation. And notice the difference. The first group sees the invitation as an obligation as evidenced by their excuses. I got stuff to do. And every excuse, dear friends, is saying that what you're excusing yourself for is more important than what you've been invited to. The second group recognizes the opportunity and grace to come and dine at the host's table. They recognize they don't get invitations like this. This is a big deal. It's an honor. And so they come. The first group with their excuses saw the invitation as an obligation. The idea of an excuse is that something takes precedent or priority over something else. So the host's invitation was not prioritized over admiring a new piece of land. Admiring a new piece of land. I just bought some land. Been planning on going out and looking at it, seeing what I purchased and admiring what I have had. I might put this in the context of personal business that demands your attention. I want to tell you something, friends. Every one of you in here, whether you're a student, whether you're working in your career or you're retired, you've got personal business. And every day you're having a question in your own mind and heart. What takes precedent? Does your personal business take precedent over the invitation to come to Jesus? And some of you are saying, no, I got land to look at. I got business to attend to. I've got stuff to do. I can't come. Please excuse me. Second excuse comes I, I bought five yoke of oxen, 10 oxen. That's a big purchase, I would imagine. There's nothing wrong with being excited over something new or an achievement that you've gotten. Hey, I just bought a brand new car. I want to go take it on a trip. I just bought a, bought, a, I bought a beach house. I want to go to the beach and enjoy it. I just purchased something. I, I just got something. I just achieved something, and I want to go enjoy that. Please excuse me. Friends, we've all got excitement over things of achievement or purchase, and we're making decisions every day, every single day, to prioritize those things over the gospel. 
come to Jesus. Then the third one's interesting. Now, if you'll notice in the, in the context of the parable, the first two, the man who bought land and the person who bought oxen, they ask to be excused. The third guy doesn't. He just declares, I have married, I'm not coming. Now, there's a reason why I think Jesus tells it that way. And uh, those of you who are thinking about marrying in the, in the next little bit, you need to pay attention to this because the law of God declared that when a man got married, listen to this. I don't know why we don't do this today. When a man got married for one year, he was not to go to war or expected to perform duties. In other words, go to work. But he's to stay home with his wife. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? If you don't believe me, this is what Deuteronomy 24, 5 says. When a man takes a new wife, he shall not go out with the army, nor be charged with any duty. He shall be free at home one year and shall give happiness to his wife whom he has taken. Now, by the way, that also meant, and this is one caveat, that also meant that, wives, you were moving in with your husband's parents, and so that might diminish it a little bit for you, but... But I, I think what's happening with this third excuse is, is the first two feel justified to, to ask to be excused, but the third feels justified to demand to be excused. Listen, I'm just, I'm obeying the law here. I'm married. I got things to do. Can't go anywhere. Can't go to the army. Leave me alone. I'm not coming to your house. All three see the invitation not as an honor to be received, with joy, but an obligation to perform. Now, you might be willing to say, well, I see where the first two shouldn't be excused, but what about the third guy? Surely he's just following the law. And I think what Jesus is pointing here is that the invitation to come supersedes every other thing. Jesus, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. It would be better, dear friends, to come to Jesus then even stay home with your wife for a year. Dear friends, if you see salvation in following Jesus as an obligation, listen to me carefully. I, 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 this is precise, and so I want you to hear me carefully. If you see salvation in following Jesus as an obligation, then you have not come to know Jesus. If worship is an obligation and not an honor, then you have not beheld the glory of God. If hearing the gospel proclaimed does not delight your soul, then you have not drunk from the fountain of grace. Those who love the Lord delight in the honor of being in his presence. And those who see it as an obligation will not come. Oh, dear friends, the gospel and the invitation to come to Jesus is not an obligation to perform. It is an honor to enjoy. Come to Jesus. You see, friends, anyone who comes, anyone who comes must understand that they come by grace alone. Salvation is by grace alone. So notice in the context of the parable, after the original invitees make their excuses, the host is determined to have his house filled. So he sends out his servants to invite, and notice who he invites. Twice it says he invites the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Now these people would not have had any expectation of being invited to the banquet or experiencing any honor or deference. 
The poor were powerless. The handicapped had, some, had little access to the social and religious circles of, of the powerful and the influential. They didn't get invited to these kinds of things. The first group felt entitled to be at the dinner and to make excuses. The second group knew that they were invited only by grace. And I think that's the point. All who come to Jesus, listen to me, all who come to Jesus are crippled, blind, lame, and poor. Because all who come to Jesus are undeserving of the invitation. No one deserves to be invited. And if you are to come to Jesus, you must come by grace alone. Now the third point. To be frank, this is the most unpleasant. I, was, I always preface my sermon on Tuesday. I, I work through sort of a rough draft of my sermon with our staff and and I was telling the staff, I'm, I'm trying to find a, a gentle way to say this. Laura Pittman said, just say it. So I'm just going to just say it this morning, okay? There's no other way. Rejecting the invitation is rejecting the master. There are two verses in the parable that are rather unsettling. Verse 21 says that the response to the excuses of the original invitees was anger, that the host was angry with them. In verse 24, the man's um, a declaration is that none, listen to me what he says, none who were invited but did not come will taste his dinner. In other words, he says, they have rejected and therefore the invitation, therefore I have rejected their ability to even come to the dinner. Now listen to me carefully. The anger of the Lord is not like our anger. When we get angry, we often lose control, and when we get angry, we often sin. But when God is angry, it is righteous anger, perfect in its response and perfect in its focus. There is no other way to enjoy the master's table but to respond to his invitation. And to reject the invitation is, by definition, rejecting the master. And those who refuse to come to Jesus reject the only hope of salvation. Acts chapter 4 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus says in John chapter 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So listen to me. The invitation to come to Jesus is not a neutral invitation. It's not a stop in if you want to and don't if you don't. Reject the invitation and therefore you reject salvation. Come to Jesus and receive salvation. That's not neutral, friends. Because to reject the invitation to come to Jesus rejects your only hope to salvation. It is rejection of the master. And listen to this. Ignoring the invitation forfeits both access and opportunity. You know, it has been true since 
the creation of the world, that one of the most intimate things that we do with one another in social context is to share a meal. It's a special thing when somebody invites you into their home to share a meal with them, to eat at their table. But you understand that when you've been invited to someone's home to eat, the meal is really just part of what's happening there. I mean, the meal may be good, it may not be good. They may serve something you like, they may serve something you don't like. That's not the point. The real significance of the invitation is to come and spend time with the one who invited you. They want you to come into their home where they live. They want you to spend time with them, not in a formal sense and in, in, in business, not in, in out in public. They want you to come into the intimacy of their home, share their table, share their food, but more importantly, be in fellowship with them and be in their presence. And if you ignore such an invitation, you forfeit access to their home, opportunity to sit at their table, and opportunity to know them more intimately. I think that's what's happening here. Those who had excuses may have felt justified in their excuses, but they forfeited the opportunity to be in the master's home. They, they surrendered the opportunity to, to enjoy the master's table, and most significantly, they forfeited the opportunity to know the master intimately. Friends, there's no other way to be in the presence of the Lord. And there's a dangerous truth here in verse 24 that I don't want you to miss. Listen to me carefully. This is the part where I'm just going to say it. If you reject the master, then the master will reject you. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? We don't usually speak in those kind of terms. We're more familiar with the gentleness and the open invitation, which is absolutely true. We're more familiar with the opportunity of grace, which we absolutely are in. But listen to me, friends. There's coming a day that if you reject the master, the master will reject you. I think that's what we see in verse 24 when he says, none who were invited and didn't come will sit at my table. Because we live in a present time of grace, we foolishly believe that this period will always be open to us. Speaking to those who looked like they were followers of Jesus but were not, Jesus says on the day of judgment that he will declare that he never knew them and reject them. Listen to what he says, Matthew chapter 7. He says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That is a rejection on the day of judgment. Those who did not come to Jesus on the day of judgment will be rejected by Jesus. Friends, the invitation to come to Jesus is now. I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know about an hour from now. The invitation to come to Jesus is now to enjoy his presence, to enjoy his table, to enjoy the masters. Now, I understand that declining invitations is always a bit unpleasant. Sometimes you have to decline because you already have other obligations and Sometimes you decline because you just don't want to go. We've been in both of those, haven't we? Sometimes you decline an invitation because you don't want to spend time with the one inviting you. We've been there. But with every invitation and the deciding of what you're going to do with it, you're making a value decision. 
Do you value uh, the events on your schedule more or less than the invitation that you received? Do you value the opportunity to spend time with the one who's inviting you more or less than other things that you've got on your calendar? Now, there are some people that if they if they were to, even at the last minute, I mean, very last minute, call you and ask you to go to dinner or spend some time with you, there are some people that it doesn't matter what else is going on in your life, you would drop everything and say, yep, I'm available. Different folks for different folks. For you golfers, maybe it's Tiger Woods. Maybe he's flying over to Sea Island, going to spend a weekend over there, and he, he calls you on his way and says, hey, I, listen, I know it's last minute, but... If, if, if I, we drop the, the, uh, the jet there in Waycross, do you think you've got some time maybe to, to fly on over to Sea Island with me? Listen, I'll take care of all your meals, and if you don't mind just hitting some balls with me and playing a little golf this weekend, would you mind doing that? Those of you who love that world, you'd probably go, uh, yes. When do you want me to be at the, the airport? Kevin Van Dam is the highest grossing bass fisherman. Maybe he calls you. He's going to be in the area. He's going to pre-fish a lake and he needs a, a partner on his boat. He says, hey, listen, everything's rigged up. You don't even have to bring a pole. I've got everything you need. But do you have an afternoon you could spend on the lake with me? And, and most, some of you who love that stuff would say, uh, yes. Where do you want me to be? For a younger crowd, those of you who watch YouTube, maybe it's uh, the Dude Perfect guys call you up and go, hey, we're going to do a new stunt. <laughs> we want you to participate. Would you be available? Well, I've got school, but yes, I'll be there. Be glad to. I know he played for Florida, but what if Tim Tebow, he's going to be local here, I understand. What if he called and says, hey, I'd like to take you to dinner and just spend some time with you. Or Herschel Walker, those of you who remember the glory days of Georgia. It could be any number of people, actors, musicians, political leaders, sports stars, business leaders. All of us have different interests, but all of us have people in our lives that if they called us right now and said, hey, could I spend a little time with you? Would you come to my home or could I take you somewhere? The, the, there would not be any debate. It wouldn't even matter what we had on our schedule, work or family or anything else. The answer would be yes. You would accept the invitation because you would recognize the honor and the great opportunity of the invitation to spend time with the person who was invited. Dear friends, don't miss this opportunity. Listen to me carefully. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the one who was and is and is to come, the one in whom all things was created. The one who knew you before you were born and fashioned and formed you, weaved you in your mother's womb. The one who knows the number of hairs upon your head, how many times your heart will beat, and the number of your days. He is inviting you That's better than Tiger Woods. That's better than Dude Perfect. That's better than any other invitation you'll ever receive. 
He's inviting you to come, be saved of your sins, to be made right before God, to be welcomed into the presence of God, and to enjoy eternity in the house of God. Friends, there's no greater invitation. And I believe this invitation is worthy of dropping everything else. To come to Jesus.